promised my wife I would I would speak about uh, our word for the year sometime, and I'm I'm not ready to preach about it, and it's almost the end of the year. <laughs> no, the word for the year is inherit, you know, inheritance. Um, and it's it's a big word um, to us. It's I'm not preaching about it today. I'm just just kind of rambling here. Uh, our inheritance is like we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus, right? Everybody understand that? So everything that Jesus has owing to him through the, the inheritance, we also have because we're joint heirs. We have that available to us as well. But the best part of our inheritance is Jesus himself. He, he is ours forever. This wonderful, wonderful person of Jesus that we get to spend eternity with. The one that isn't mad at, at uh, Stefan anymore. <laughs> Even though Stefan feels like he should be mad at him. <laughs> The one that comforts us and is, is with us through all things. He is our inheritance. But, but everything else that's there is, is our inheritance as well. The, the healing is our inheritance. But how, how do we access that? Like if you... If you have been told that your inheritance is um, uh, X amounts of millions of dollars and it is in a bank account, you've got to find out where that bank account is and, and how to access that bank account in order to enjoy the fruits of the what was left to you. Well, our heavenly bank account is available to us anytime. Uh, all of the riches of, of the kingdom are there for us. But there's, there, there's an understanding that we as a church, not just us, but, but churches have about about uh, moving into our inheritance is is that it will just kind of drop into our laps uh here it is enjoy it um spend it the way you will you know uh but that's not the way god sees inheritance uh god talked about the uh the people of israel their inheritance was the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that he had promised them would be theirs forever. And they were excited to, to get to see that. They forgot, or God forgot to tell them that um, the... 
the vineyards that they did not plant that he had for them, the houses that they did not build that he had put away for them, those, those things were still inhabited by the people that actually did build them. <laughs> and they didn't want to move out. They hadn't been given their release and they were not ready to go. So there was, there was a, uh, there is work to be done to access our inheritance. The trick as we look at it is it always has to be in submission to Jesus himself as to what part of the inheritance we're going after now and what we need to do to access it. Because every area of our, our inheritance will have a, an exchange involved. That's the way he gets us to grow up. He says, if you give me that thing you're holding on to so tightly, I'll give you this thing. <laughs> and it's way better. I'll give you beauty for ashes. <laughs> I'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. That's his exchange. And that's the way he does all his exchanges. Because he wants us to grow in him and learn in him. So he has this exchange in every area for us to move into. But most of the time we don't want to give up whatever it is that we have to give up. And so we don't want to make this journey. The price for our inheritance is too high. And so we'll just make do. And it seems to me that the church has made do for 2,000 years, for the most part. We've made a way for us to get, to continue in relationship with him and and, and have our religious process uh, without great cost to ourselves. We can, we can just be a part of it at whatever level we want to be a part of it at. But he wants us to be in relationship with him, in submission to him, to, to go after the areas that that he so desperately wants us to take. He said greater things than these we would do. Do you see a lot of that happening? Yeah. Do you think it's because God is being a miser and not sharing it with us? I, I don't think so. I think that there is a There's an unwillingness on our part as a church to move into those things. Honestly. And we, we uh, need to come to terms with that, I think. That, that whatever he has for us is going to be better than what we have currently. Right. And if we, can, if we can believe that, if we can be willing to to lay it down 
and to move into our promised land, the fight will be worth it. The stories will be worth it. The reward will be worth it. Our inheritance will be worth it. But we're all just a little bit afraid of what it might cost us. So anyway, we'll talk about all of that one day. That's where I'm standing with it right now, and I, I, I don't know if I'm willing to pay the price right now, having, having gone through this. Uh, uh, yeah, work in progress is right. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, so uh, inheritance is important, and and we're gonna we're gonna inherit one way or another. So I want to read from uh, Luke, Luke uh, 18, verse 9, and we'll read through to 14, if we can. Excuse me a sec. Luke 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. (laughs) He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Do you know anybody like that? I hope not. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift, his, lift up his eyes to, to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So I I tell you this, verse 14. This man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. The tax collector... was justified. The Pharisee, these are the the bright shining examples of what religion can be, was not justified. Pharisee was not justified. 
Justified is um, um, made right before God. The, the, the definition is, is um, uh, just as if I had not sinned, right? Just as if I had not sinned. And so the Pharisee is not in a position where it's, he's it, as if I had not sinned. But the tax collector is. That's, a, that's quite a position to be in. What is the difference? There is something about humility in the kingdom. Like the kingdom principles work no matter what. You don't have to be a believer to have kingdom principles work. I know people who tithe to the church that are not believers because they know that they will be blessed in their finances because of their tithe. They understand the principle works. And there, there are other kingdom principles that work no matter what. Give and it shall be given. Like things, things come back to you as you give it. doesn't matter if it's material or immaterial. Things work. In the kingdom, and very often the church has has relied on that for uh, its existence as we go. Just w- making the things of the kingdom work continues the church and the church's existence. Um, but humility—that's where I was. Um, Grace, right? Grace is the simple definition we have is God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E, grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. I understand it differently than that right now, but I understand it as God's empowering presence to get to get through the things that we're going through right now is what grace is. But um, but let's just stay with, with with grace being and and so it's it at Christ's expense. Now, grace is something you can't earn, right? Does, does, does anybody know how to earn grace? God, hey, yeah, grace is unmerited favor. That's good. Yet, God gives grace to the humble. So so you mean it can be earned? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Humility is is huge in the kingdom. Forgiveness is massive. Like forgiveness buys you you entry into all kinds of areas in the kingdom. Forgive as much as you can and as liberally as you can. If anybody you you know deserves or doesn't deserve forgiveness, doesn't matter, forgive. Because you will have access to things that you didn't even know about. Whether you think they, they deserve it, whether you think that 
You could never forgive that person. Oh, do. Do forgive them. Because if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Forgive. But also, humble yourselves. Because there's access to areas and things that we have that humility um, buys the ticket for. So let's just... Um, there's a song that my friend Norm was over here <laughs> uh, introduced me to. It's a few years ago now. Uh, it's called "Hurt." Um, it, it's a song that uh, was was done by Johnny Cash, uh, and um, th- there are some lines in it that are just profound. I I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair. It starts out, full of broken thoughts that I cannot repair. Regret is a powerful emotion, one that's common to us all. Looking back, we have regrets about things we've done or failed to do. Uh, we regret our our moral failures along with our, our failures to embrace promising and positive opportunities. But like Johnny Cash says, um, we are full of broken thoughts that ponder things that we cannot repair. Regret is hard to handle, but it's not a bad emotion. We we live our lives in this society uh, trying to be so positive that we 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 don't want to spend any time on anything that seems negative, and and regret would seem negative. Now, now regret is something different than shame. We're not talking about shame. Uh, that 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 is not good. We don't want to be a part of shame in any way. But regret, there is something we can learn from regret. There's something that we can we can make choices about to not do that again, and therefore become a better person. It's interesting what that what that does to us. We shouldn't run from regret. Instead, we should learn from it. Regret is a tool that helps us learn. It's adaptive. Our culture has gone overboard with positivity, uh, when in fact negative emotions are actually more valuable in our learning process. So when you, you think about When you think about something that, that, that you may have done as a child, I, I think of um, when I was nine, eight or nine, we used to, we used to um, um, ridicule a, a little girl in our class um, uh, and, and uh, really make fun of her. And, and, and it haunted me for years. 
uh, I knew it was wrong, uh, even as an eight or nine year old. Uh, but but I didn't move to make any any change at that point. I didn't stand between her and the other guys in our group that were being such wieners. Uh, and we, who knows what, what damage we did to her. Um, but, but later in my life, I, I determined that I would not do that anymore. That I would not, not stand up for people that had no voice. That people that um, needed to have advocates. That I wanted to be an advocate. And so it... That regret, the regret of an eight-year-old, became a moving influence in my life as an adult, and one that I still live by. I made choices that I would be a better person because of my regret. You understand how regret can be used as such a positive force in our lives, right? You have to take it, analyze it, deal with it somehow, you know, if there's... I, I have no idea how to get a hold of that girl, but... Um, but I'm paying it forward Regret is, uh, is a very positive force for change. We cannot change the past, but we can go forward, move forward saying, I'm going to try to treat everyone with a greater degree of kindness than I did then. This is the positive power of regret. Looking backward can help us to move forward. So if we, if we look at our scripture today, out of Luke, Jesus tells this parable some, um, to some people who had no regrets. Like the, In verse 9 he says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. These, these are people that had no regrets. <laughs> so Jesus is talking to them. You know, I, I'm sure that they all had tattoos, no regrets, on, you know, on, on their, their forearms. <laughs> but... Um, <clears throat> He told this story about two entirely different people coming from two entirely different places. The Pharisee 
stands by himself because they always stood by themselves. They, they would not, they wouldn't mix with others because they might be contaminated by the others. They, they couldn't, they couldn't be seen with the regular folk because the regular folk were sinful. And the Pharisees just were not. They lived perfect lives. They followed the law absolutely perfectly. So much so that they would, they would tithe their, their spices. <laughs> Dill and mint and cumin. They would, they would take the 10% and, and <laughs> put it away and, and, uh, and give it not wanting to miss even the littlest part of of the word and yet they're missing the bigger part of of what God's all about we can be so enwrapped in 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 trying to do trying to get our lives just right and managing our lives just right so that everything is working just perfectly and I've got to get this done just right. That we forget that there are people all around us that we can be kind to and make a bigger, a bigger dent in society than any of our tithing or law-abiding. And so it's hard to, to process all of that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> this uh, Pharisee said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves and rogues and adulterers and even this tax collector. I fast and I give 10% and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he, he practiced all of the disciplines that he was called to, to practice. He had no regrets. But the tax collector, he, he couldn't even look up to heaven. He couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to, to stare at God for a moment. He was so overwhelmed by who he was. And he knew, like Stefan was talking about this morning, that, that God was mad at him. <laughs> and he knew he deserved it. And, and he knew that he did not deserve God's forgiveness. And yet, in that, he got God's forgiveness. He was justified says he was justified yeah yeah he was justified without the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross he was justified by his humility tax collectors were were more like toll collectors they were they <clears throat> they they were appointed by Rome to collect a Roman uh, toll for, you know, they, they, they charged people for 
the right to be uh, uh, living within the Roman Empire. And, and um, they, uh, they often bought their position and they abused their position. They charged whatever they felt like they should charge and they had the, um, the full power of the Roman Empire behind them to collect the taxes that they that they were were trying to get. They were hated by everyone because it was such a um, it was it was a, a it was filled with such avarice that 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 people despised the tax collectors. They wanted nothing to do with them. Now, the Pharisees wanted nothing to do with the people. The people wanted nothing to do with the tax collectors. <laughs> the, the difference there. It's, it's pretty amazing. And so, people wanted nothing to do with this tax collector. Abuse and corruption, collusion with Rome. The tax collector could have joined Johnny Cash in saying, I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair. When Jesus concluded the parable by saying, I tell you that this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The tax collector went home justified, which means that he was restored to a right relationship with God. The Pharisee, on the other hand, was not justified, which meant that he remained out of whack with God. The Pharisee exalted himself, putting his faith in himself instead of in God. And the result was that he was humbled. This parable is a perfect illustration of the power of regret. The tax collector was justified because he put his faith completely in God, asking God to be merciful to him. He took an honest look at his past, regretting many of his actions, and asked for God to forgive him. Regret re reveals what makes life worth living. There are some things in life that we really, really care deeply about. The tax collector cared deeply about being right with God, so he confessed his sin and asked for God's mercy. He was humble enough to know that he needed help and his request was granted because he made it with honesty and humility. The good news is that most people want to do the right thing, and God is willing to help, help us turn our lives around and head in a new direction. 
God really wants to forgive people who are willing to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Honesty and humility. These are the qualities that can help make us right with God and with the people around us. Our challenge is to get out of the liar's chair that uh, Johnny Cash talked about and, and begin to see ourselves honestly. None of us has a right to stand up and boast about our moral superiority, saying we have no regrets. Yes, we might think of ourselves as being giving, compassionate, loving, and respectful. That's how Christians are told, are, are, tend to describe other Christians. Now, hear this just for a sec, if you would. Giving, compassionate, loving, and respectful. That's the way we think Christians should be. That's the way we like to think of ourselves, right? I think. And we, we hope that other Christians are that way. Yet, if you ask non-Christians what Christians are like, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a bit of a dichotomy here. A disconnect. Because most often words used by non-Christians about Christians is hypocritical, judgmental, and self-righteous. Now that, to me, sounds more like Pharisees. The way the world sees us is that we're Pharisees. We're, we're so busy getting wrapped up in, in, in our own interests that we fail to see the bigger picture again, just like the, the Pharisees did. We're missing the boat as the boat sails by. We have neighbors that need to know that we are compassionate, loving, and caring people that we do not hate. And we don't want to alienate people from God. We are not, we are not the, the, the judges for the world. That's, that's Jesus' job. And, he, and he, he can do it. He doesn't need our help. So we, we have this disconnect that is, is just growing daily. We are viewed as, as haters um, by much of the, the unsaved world right now. And we, we have no value uh, in their lives. What we think makes no difference to them. We have been silent in the midst of unspeakable horrors when we should have spoken up as church. Now that, that's gone through the history. Like You just look at slavery. The church 
fought with itself about slavery. There were, there were people that were convinced that slavery was totally biblical. And, and there is an argument for that. Like if you look at the, 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 the word, it's, you know, slaves <laughs> serve your masters. But others thought that, that uh, slavery should be abolished. And so the, the, the fight in the church was bigger than the fight outside the church. And, and um, you know, we, we got that way with abortion. And, you know, it, 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 we, we just, we miss, the, we miss the people that are involved all the way around. Wow. Trying to do the right thing. So, so what can we do about all of that? The first step is to see ourselves honestly, as the tax collector did, and express regret about our failures. After seeing ourselves clearly, we need to show some true humility. In this, we should listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, who, who urged the Philippians to do nothing and this is from Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourself. Our role model for this is Jesus who emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humble, self-emptying, obedient. These are the qualities of Jesus Christ and his true followers. Qualities that led to Christ's exaltation. Remember, said Jesus, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The path to God's future includes serving others sacrificially as we follow a Lord who came not to be served, but to serve. All of us have regrets. Every single one of us. We are full of broken thoughts about things that we cannot repair. But looking backward with honesty and humility can help us to move forward to a glorious future as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We, we need to understand that Jesus isn't done yet that he is up to something and he's wanting us to join him in it he's wanting us to to join him as a humble serving group of people who are willing to sacrifice for the people around us Not to be so wrapped up in our own needs and our own desires that we miss what's actually going on in society. 
He's doing something and he wants us to be his bride heading into it. And it's up to us to to say, yes, yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. I want to do it. Can, can we hear him? And can we, can we follow his, his humble leadership? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He's an amazing, amazing God. Let's stand together. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, um, thank you for the, the parables. Uh, you, you spoke to us in word pictures that, that described things that were so profound that we were, were still stuck on them 2,000 years later. How we love your word. How we love what you teach us. And how we're challenged by it, Lord. Our very nature, the nature that you put into us, is uh, very much selfish and needs to be overcome. But you gave us a way to do that. And the way to do that is to serve in humility. To, to, to become like you. And so, Lord, we, we need help to do that because it doesn't come naturally. We need your help to be the people you've called us to be. And so we're asking for it, Lord. You receive not because you've asked not. And so we're asking now if you will make us the people that would please you, Lord. People that would be justified and not, not people that are looked at as hypocritical and, and selfish and, and uh, uh, haters, Lord. And that's what we become in the eyes of the world. Forgive us, Lord, for misrepresenting you so drastically and for missing the, the love that you have for our neighbors and our families and those around us. Your love is so great and so wonderful. We bless you for your goodness, Lord. Help each of us to Negotiate this, Lord. Negotiate regrets and learn from them and move forward to a more positive and more wonderful life with you. Thank you for all that you are to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Deborah, has, has Gwynny been found? She has, okay. Oh, yeah. I was just going to pray for her. So th Hallelujah. thank you that uh, 
Deborah's granddaughter has been found and and that uh, she's safe, Lord. So we bless you for all that you are. Would you would you strengthen little Gwynny and bless her and bless each one now because I know you want to, Lord. You're so good in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>